Hello, everyone. This is constitutional attorney Catherine Henry, and welcome to this week's Constitution segment recap. Today, we're actually going to be essentially continuing the conversation that we started on Tuesday with my friend John Rocha, uh, talking about your right to run for office, what the Constitution says about ballot access, and basically even what the courts have shared throughout the years about your right to ballot access. So uh, with that being said, I want to go ahead and jump on over to the important stuff right away. It is a bit frustrating that this never goes fully full screen here, but we'll see what we can do. Um, in fact, I'm going to make my stuff a little bit different sized on my, my end, so you can hopefully see it a little bit better on your end. All right, so this is the document that I shared with you um, the other day, and um, it was basically, it's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. It's something I threw together so you, you could at least follow along with the discussion. And um, again, the purple segments here are an interactive table of contents, so you could click on any one of those in the PDF and... Um, and it'll jump you to that particular section of the document. Uh, just make sure you're not uh, in a um, truly a, like a preview type of situation. Like right now, I actually opened this. I didn't open it fully, so it's not in a full PDF viewer. It's just in a preview window through um, my Google Drive. So I actually can't use the, the hot links here. Um, to get to the other sections of the document. But at any rate, um, we started with talking about, you know, when you're thinking about, do you have the right to run for office? And what does the Constitution say about your um, ability to have ballot access? We first needed to touch base with the concepts that um, we are permission to act. You know, what are the people allowed to do and why are we allowed to do it? Um, well, we get our blessings of liberty from God, not the government. And I know that I've shared this in quite a few videos, but quite frankly, uh, people don't really let that sink in um, to the level that you you need to, because we're just so ingrained with the government being able to essentially control our every move. For example, I live in Volusia County, Florida now, and um, I happened to see an, a news article that um, the county... Um, they call it county council here, I believe, uh, which is weird because in Michigan, the county um, boards are county um, commissions. But anyway, county council, they voted to um, to pass this whole new, oh, I forget what it's called, but like animal control ordinance, essentially. Um, and it has a whole bunch of things. For example, you are not allowed to use a tether for your animal. Like what? How many of you have ever um, had your dog out on, you know, on a lead um, in your yard? There's a stake or a tree or some sort of whatever that you have your dog out there. And I know for us in Hudsonville, we had um, this big pine tree in the backyard and uh, my dog had developed some sort of weird anxiety after five years with us, he all of a sudden just did, could not be left home alone. If he was left home alone in the house, then he would literally eat the house trying to get out. 
it didn't matter if it was cold or hot or whatever. I mean, when he was inside, of course, the air conditioning or heat, whatever was appropriate, um, was on. But he just couldn't handle being at home alone. And I mean, even for like 20 or 30 minutes um, at our house in Hudsonville, after we had just moved in, uh, we had done, been doing a lot of remodeling. And um, he, I went to pick up Emma from somewhere and it was only like 10 minute, 10 minute, 11 minute drive. Um, and I picked her up and I came right back and I left him home and he had eaten a large portion of the downstairs. He had eaten windows and blinds and, um, you know, chewed on door frames and um, furniture that was near the windows, uh, just freaking out. And this is an old dog. Uh, and, you know, we he's he's been in our family since uh, a year before Emma was born and she's eight and a half. So um, it was just this brand new problem. At any rate, we decided we were going to have to um, have him, you know, out in the yard with... Um, you know, on uh, essentially on a lead where he had quite a bit of distance that he could walk, he could be in the sun or he could be in the shade or, you know, he could, um, we had uh, a thing in the backyard that he could, you know, be underneath there if it was raining or whatever. But according to this new uh, animal control uh, regulation passed in Volusia County, Florida, you can't do that here. Uh, and if you do have your dog, uh, you know, tied up on something like that, you know, you can't use certain types of, um, you know, um, chains or whatever. Uh, and you have to have the dog in your sight every single second. Uh, I don't know why you'd have them out there. Oh, I have a, um, oh, come on. There we go. Um, I, I don't know why you'd have your dog out like that if you if you're going to be out there anyway, but anyway, that's just, um, but there's some other stupid things like you cannot declaw your cat. I mean, I don't even own a cat, but when, um, you know, when I was a kid, we had cats and I'm sorry, but a lot of times cats will like to claw at your furniture. Everybody I've ever known that had indoor cats, the cats would like to do that. And I, I'm thinking everybody I've ever known has had their cats at least declawed in the front, if not also in the back. Um, if the cat was someone, you know, is one that went out in and out um, all the time, then maybe just the front claws. But um, so they had a, a way to defend themselves. But are you serious? You're no longer allowed to declaw your cat. Uh, things like that. It's like animals don't have more rights than people do. And, oh, and you're not allowed to, you know, release or relinquish or abandon your animal if you're not able to take care of them, because now you're not allowed to do any of these uh, things that people have done for decades, if not, you know, longer than that. So at any rate, uh, we don't get our permission to act from the government. We get all of our blessings of liberty from God. We, the people, uh, wanted to secure the blessings of liberty. And so it says in the U.S. Constitution preamble that we created the state or the U.S. Constitution. We, the people of the state of Michigan, grateful to Almighty God for the blessings of freedom, decided to create and adopt the state constitution. It says so in the preamble of the Michigan State Constitution. The Declaration of Independence tells us that we are all endowed by our creator uh, with certain unalienable rights like liberty. 
uh, I want you to pay special attention to the Ninth Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. Uh, there's a similar provision in Article One, Section 23 of the Michigan State Constitution and in um, many other state constitutions as well that, I'm going to just scroll it over here, we the people retain all of our God-given liberties, all of our rights, not just those that are enumerated, but even the ones that are not listed out specifically in the Bill of Rights or somewhere else in the Constitution. We keep all of our God-given rights and government has the duty to protect those rights. We, the people, hold the sovereign power. Uh, for example, in my Allegan County trespass case, I reference here that you have the authority to access all public government property, uh, you know, uh, property that's owned um, by the government, but also readily accessible to the government or to the people. So if it's a high security area for some reason, um, you know, to, uh, uh, law enforcement headquarters or a military base or, um, you know, of course, patient rooms and a municipal owned hospital, something like that. There's reasons why there wouldn't be public access. And, and that's still for the benefit of the people. But um, barring those kinds of special issues or, or situations, we hold sovereign power and therefore have authority to do things like access public government property. Um, and I put in here that uh, Michigan Supreme Court case from 2018 that talks about that, but also take a look at the U.S. Constitution, um, Article 4, which talks about that Republican form of government. The Michigan Constitution, that's where you see Constitution 1963, that's how you cite the Michigan Constitution. Article 1, Section 1, that says that all political power is inherent in the people. And of course, the preamble to both the U.S. and Michigan constitutions that talks about it, that it's we, the people, that established the constitutions. Um, what about the authority to make regulations? Where does the government get its authority to act and what are its limits? Well, first of all, government was created by the people. That Michigan Supreme Court case is a perfect example that tells you on page 61 that it is government created by the people that we created government to secure the blessings of liberty. So we created or established the constitution. Again, look at the preamble. Um, same thing, if you look at the full wording uh, or the second part portion of the full wording of the um, Michigan preamble, uh, you could see that we were grateful to almighty God for the blessings of freedom and earnestly desiring to secure these blessings undiminished to ourselves and our our posterity, we the people established our state constitution. Uh, we are all endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights and to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, meaning from we the people. That, of course, is famous language from the Declaration of Independence. Also looking at the Republican form of government where we elect government representatives. And uh, that's found in Article 4, Section 4 of the U.S. Constitution. Government acts on behalf of the people. And uh, sorry, but I just realized the weird punctuation here. It's because I had taken a sentence and chopped it up uh, and, and taken things out of footnotes and put them more as like sub points here to make it easier to follow along. But I forgot to kind of clean up some of these um, um, 
um, punctuation marks or quotation marks. I, I apologize about that. But anyway, government acts on behalf of the people. Um, that is something that was um, mentioned or reiterated, I should say, and it's not a brand new concept, uh, but reiterated in the Michigan Court of Appeals in a 2020 case. And um, government derives its authority from the people. Of course, we talked about that in the Declaration of Independence and other situations um, uh, sources above, but again, a constitution is made for the people and by the people, deriving its force from the people who ratified it. Again, that's that constitution, uh, excuse me, the citizens case from the Michigan Supreme Court in 2018, uh, which continues by saying a constitution contains the principles on which the government shall act and by which it shall be bound. Again, this is, I think, the sentence that really sums it up. The Constitution's most basic functions are to create the form and structure of government, right? So we, the people, through the Constitution, created the form and the structure of government. We, the people, through the Constitution, defined and limited the powers of government. So we defined what the government was allowed to do. And we provided for the protection of our individual rights and liberties. We, the people, through the Constitution, again, defined and limited the powers of government. So no government entity or government official has the authority to take any action unless it is specifically given to them in either the U.S. or state Constitution. Let that sink in for a minute. If the government wants to do something, any government official or government agency uh, at any level, state, local, national, doesn't matter. If they want to do something and they can't point to a specific part of the U.S. or that particular state's constitution that allows them to do that very thing, then I don't care what a state statute might allow them to do or some government resolution or local ordinance. It doesn't matter. No state or local or even federal law can um, give some sort of authority to um, for the government to do something that the Constitution doesn't specifically allow because authority for the government to act does not come from the government. The government doesn't get to create its own authority dole out authority to other branches. That's not how it works. The authority for government to act comes from the people and it is through the constitution that um, their uh, ability to act is filtered. Government uh, does not have its own source of rights, sovereignty or property ownership. It holds property, like physical property, real estate, in trust for use by the public. So Again, government's sole purpose is to secure our God-given liberties. So um, as in my election day case or in uh, lots of other cases that have come up, there's no trespassing on property open to the general public. But, for example, you can't um, do petitioning. You can't, you know, um, petition for a particular um, um, cause, you know, issue or candidate uh, that in a way that unreasonably interferes with ingress or egress um, into a polling precinct or in a way that intentionally interferes with the administration of justice. If you're stopping poll workers from doing their job, um, physically getting in their way or something of that nature, that's not okay. But um, 
you know, they can't just stop people from being present during important public um, uh, functions such as elections. In fact, there's an example of how limited the government is in general on uh, trying to regulate the people. This is just an example. But if you look at Michigan laws, if you um, you go to 750.543 Z as in zebra, it, um, it's talking about certain conduct. So, of course, our First Amendment or also Article 1, Section 3 and Section 5 of the Michigan State Constitution, um, you're guaranteed the right to free speech, to peaceably assemble, petition the government for redress of grievances. Um, so that kind of conduct falls into, um, you know, it falls into a category that is obviously considered protected by the First Amendment. At least it's presumed to be protected. So the statute that I mentioned, MCL 750.543Z, is a Michigan statute that says prosecutors shall not, shall not, like cannot, are not allowed to, prosecute any person for conduct presumptively protected by the First Amendment. So let's think about that. No matter what other statute you have on the books, if somebody is out there petitioning and they're not um, stopping somebody else from exercising their ability to vote or to do some other legal act, then you got to leave them alone. It's protected by the First Amendment. And control over property um, or other governmental powers, does not equal the authority to overrun the rights of individuals. So again, we're going to use the Allegan County case, my election day 2020 case. The clerk had no authority, the township clerk had no authority to remove me from the town hall unless she was expressly given that authority from a lawful and constitutional source. So in my case, the prosecutor argues that by having control over the property, and this is what the sheriff said that day too, by having control over the property, the township clerk therefore had the authority to remove me from the property. But there are clear examples of how you can have authority to control property, but that authority does not equal authority to shut down free speech or to remove somebody uh, from property open to the general public. There is a case, a U.S. Supreme Court case that goes all the way back to 1946, Marsh v. Alabama, um, that talks about this. But there's a more recent case, a Logan case, um, that uh, describes it. And so the way that they described it, it was like, oh, my goodness, I put it right into this a comparison chart because I thought it was quite fitting. So in the Marsh v. Alabama case. Marsh was told that she must have a permit to distribute her literature and that a permit would not be granted to her. In my case, I was told that it was unlawful to park there when not voting without the express consent of the clerk, but the clerk was not going to give me permission and she wanted me to leave. In the Marsh case, when she declared that the company rule could not be utilized to prevent her from exercising her constitutional rights, she was ordered to leave. In my case, I told the clerk and the deputies that the resolution the clerk was supposedly trying to use to kick me off the property cannot supersede constitutionally protected rights, but the deputies ordered me to leave anyway. In the Marsh case, Marsh refused to leave, so she was arrested for criminal trespassing. 
In my case, they claimed I refused to leave, which actually didn't happen, but we'll just assume that for the time being. Uh, so they arrested me for criminal trespassing. Well, might not be a surprise to you by now. The reason why I bring up this case is because in the Marsh case, way back from 1946, the U.S. Supreme Court said, uh, duh, you can't do that. She's exercising rights that are protected by the First Amendment, and you can't have some sort of local regulation or utilize or stretch some sort of state statute like criminal trespassing to remove her from property that is open to the general public. Now, keep in mind, in that case with Marsh, all the way back then, it was a privately owned place. It was kind of set up like a whole town. And so it had more of a feeling of, of a general, you know, um, a normal town that's um, public property mixed with private property, et cetera. But they said, even though the land she was on was privately owned, it was open to the general public. So she would be allowed to sit there and hand out literature on whatever she wanted to. Um, she wasn't disturbing the, the rights of the people to go about their own business. And the same thing holds true for me. You cannot be criminally responsible for things like that. Um, so at any rate, um, oath of office. So when you're talking about running for office and, um, and what the duties or the authority of government is. Let's remember that there is an oath of office. Now, the U.S. Constitution, it's in the um, Article 6. In the Michigan Constitution, it's in Article 11, Section 1. Uh, the Florida Constitution, Article 2, Section 5B. There's also a fabulous statute in Michigan, MCL 15.151, that makes it exceedingly clear that no matter if you are volunteering or getting paid to do any kind of government job or function at any level of government in Michigan, you have to take the constitutional oath of office in order to be lawfully in that position. Um, so at any rate, there is an oath of office. But uh, I think at some points, even more importantly, when these issues are raised by people and brought to a court's attention, government officials are not allowed to, basically the constitution does not permit judges to look the other way. Judges must call foul when the constitutional lines are crossed. When somebody has said, hey, I have a First Amendment protected right to free speech or to petition my government for a redress of grievances or whatever, right? I want to be a candidate or I want to get an issue on the ballot. The and, and this local official or this law enforcement officer or whatever is stopping me from doing that. They're trying to charge me criminally or they remove me from the ballot or whatever. The 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 judges and justices that the case is in front of, they're not allowed to turn a blind eye to that. They can't pass on hearing the case and they're not allowed to make up some sort of garbage for why it's okay for that government official to do that. No, they have to call out and stop those constitutional violations from happening. Do they do that? Well, we didn't see the Supreme Court doing that in John Roche's case, unfortunately, or in many other cases we've seen recently or in the last several decades. But um, 
So specifically with wanting to run for office, what does the Constitution say about that ballot access? Again, look at the U.S. Constitution, Article 4, Section 4. There is a Republican form of government, meaning our whole government is not a democracy. It's a Republican form of government where we elect government representatives. We get to elect them. Well, they're not supposed to be the ones picking which people are on the ballot. I mean... Anyway, I could go into all kinds of examples of how dumb that would be. Uh, but no, we get the right to decide who amongst us would be the best to represent us. Uh, and uh, states, for the most part, regulate elections. Again, I want you to look at U.S. Constitution, Article 1, Section 4, Clause 1. And then um, in this particular situation, both for my case and John's case, you can look at the Michigan Constitution, Article 2, Section 4, Subsection 2. And I have those pieces quoted there, so I'm not going to read them to you because you'll be able to see them for yourselves when you access the document later. Um, but also when you're considering your right to ballot access, um, look at your right to freedom of speech, which of course is in the U.S. Constitution First Amendment and the Michigan Constitution, Article 1, Section 5. And I put some big uh, points in here from various um, famous court cases. A lot of them are United States Supreme Court cases. So no matter which state you're in, this is something that applies to you. So when we're talking about my speech, right, my ability to be there or my client's ability to be there with the petition circulating it, um, it must receive the broadest protection in order to ensure an unfettered exchange of ideas for affecting change and be uninhibited, robust, and wide open. And I have the citations that are uh, put down in the footnotes, so you'll be able to see where I get these um, quotes from. And this is why speech is protected against censorship or punishment unless it is shown likely to produce a clear and present danger of a serious substantive evil that rises far above public inconvenience, annoyance, or unrest. That is something that is very relevant to John Rocha's situation of them removing him from the ballot and my own situation from the Allegan County Election Day 2020 case. Neither one of us had any kind of uh, you know, there was no clear and present danger of anything, let alone of a serious substantive evil. Um, freedom of speech and of the press is guaranteed by the Constitution, uh, and it embraces at the least the liberty to discuss publicly and truthfully all matters of public concern without previous restraint or fear of subsequent punishment. The First Amendment was uh, fashioned to secure an unfettered exchange of ideas for the bringing about of political and social changes desired by the people. And I'm sorry, this was originally a block quote, so there were no quotation marks uh, around it, and I forgot to put them back in when I put it in this format, but the site for this is uh, in footnote number five. Um, the circulation of a petition involves the type of interactive communication concerning political change that is appropriately described as core political speech, like the core of it all. So soliciting for signatures for protection is protected speech. I don't know how much clearer it gets in my own case, but um, definitely this is a similar thing for John, who was just trying to um, be on the ballot so people who are like-minded could associate for the desired 
political and social changes. But anyway, uh, to the extent that the resolution in uh, the Allegan County Layton Township uh, in that situation, to the extent that it might prohibit me from petitioning in the parking lot, displaying signs on my car, having flyers or other supplies at the tailgate of um, my SUV, which I didn't. That's actually what the petitioners were doing that day, the circulate, uh, petition circulators. The resolution, though, if it was stopping me or somebody else from doing that, it would impede the sponsor's opportunity to disseminate views to the public. It curtails the discussion of issues that normally accompanies the circulation of initiative petitions, and it shrinks the size of the audience that can be reached and necessarily reduces the quantity of that expression. In other words, government, don't be stupid. You can't do these things to people. People are allowed to have American flags at their tailgate. They're allowed to have signs saying, come here, come over here to sign our petition. They're allowed to wear shirts that say Restore Freedom Initiative uh, and hand out flyers to people that come over to their spot. Um, you also have the right, if you're thinking about your right to be on the ballot or get an issue on the ballot, you need to recognize your right to peacefully assemble. Um, and uh, the cases that I had already cited, I recited those again here because um, soliciting signatures for a petition uh, and associating to achieve ballot access, those are things that receive uh, strong constitutional protection and any restriction to those burdens the fundamental rights directly. Again, I don't know how my case hasn't been dismissed, but you know, it is what it is so far. Uh, right to petition your government for redress of grievances, of course, is also in the First Amendment. Uh, it's also in the Michigan Constitution. I just didn't put the site there. And it's probably in your own state constitution if you're in a different state. Um, you also have the right to equal protection of the law and the two provisions are here as well. Um, I gave you an example uh, of how this plays out in my own case in Allegan County, um, where everybody has um, a right, you know, all members of the public have an equal right of access. It's, it's, it's property open to the general public. It's during business hours, etc. Um, they can't just stop me from being in there. That would be denying me equal protection of the law. You also have the right to be um, protected from any denials of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. Of course, we know that's in the fifth and 14th amendments of the U.S. Constitution. It's in Article 1, Section 17 of the Michigan Constitution. I also threw in the Florida Constitution, Article 1, Section 9. It is most likely also in your own state constitution if you live somewhere else. Um, and then I wanted to give you some examples of how this plays out in my case and in John's case. In John's case, it was more of a verbal discussion that we had there. But um, I put together, you know, that um, what it really looks like. So you can see the elements, you know, of course, in any criminal case, the prosecution has to prove beyond a reasonable doubt every single element or part of an offense. So you can't have... Um, a criminal offense of criminal trespassing, for example, if someone never told me to leave. Uh, you couldn't have an offense of criminal trespassing if I hadn't remained on the property, if I had just been, you know, passing through and whatever, or no one told me to leave, that there's no criminal trespassing. Um, 
So each element is required in order for the whole crime to be proven. Uh, and it is the prosecutor's job to prove beyond a reasonable doubt every single element. So they'd have to prove each of these elements that I have listed here. Um, and, and of course, they can't do that. Um, but among all the other constitutional and legal problems with this case, um, the charge, uh, both charges, but certainly the trespass charge, ignores the fact that I have a right to collect voter signatures uh, for a constitutional amendment petition on township property on election day because it's required by state election law. Uh, it's allowed by the state constitution. That property is open to the general public and is exactly where voters would be. And on election day is when the voters would be there. So it, um, it means that in my case, what things boiled down to is that I had the authority and still have the authority to be on that property to do those very kinds of things, to be a member of the general public, to serve as an attorney in the official course of my duties, whatever. Um, and all of this shows that in my case, the township clerk um, had a lack of authority to forcibly remove me. So, um, and I just wanted to point out to, uh, you know, this kind of thing doesn't even happen in this kind of context because a public space, a public forum, a place uh, like a township hall, library, um, they are the epitomes of a public forum where, um, you know, people go to exchange ideas with others in their communities. And so there are no other public forum cases in um, for criminal trespassing in Michigan. Um, there's all kinds of cases that relate to non-government or non-public government property or like limited use uh, public property, um, private property, but none that relate to publicly accessible property. Uh, and that's because, you know, when it all comes down to it, we have rights guaranteed, given to us by God, protected by the Constitution, not given to us by the government. Whereas the government has no rights, no, no source of, uh, no source of property ownership or anything like that, unless they find that specific ability to act given to them in the U.S. or state constitutions. Hopefully, that was uh, a, a way to. Um, enable you to better understand this week's topics and that you do have a right to run for office. And the Constitution says a whole heck of a lot about ballot access and a ton about your rights and a ton about the inability of the government to stop you from exercising those rights. So with that being said, I want to thank you for joining us for this Constitution segment recap. I hope that you join us tomorrow for our Friday's Freedom Fighting Tools, Saturday to explore a very important Restore Freedom goodie of the week. Uh, Sunday, we have a small segment on um, biblical insight. And of course, please do join us next week on Tuesday at noon for our next full episode of Restore Freedom Weekly. Again, I'm constitutional attorney, Catherine Henry. It has been a pleasure to bring you this information and I look